Good morning. How many of y'all remember that movie, You've Got Mail? All right. For some of you, you're like, oh, a chick flick. For others of you, I mean, it's a, I actually liked it. I give it two thumbs up and a callous big toe. Uh, just to give you guys a heads up, in three weeks, we're starting a new series here at One Church called At the Movies. And what we're going to be doing is in three weeks, we're going to be, uh, our sermon is going to be revolving around taking, uh, pulling spiritual truths out of some of the year's top movies. So uh, I promise you there probably won't be that many chick flicks. Uh, for the others of you, there's going to be a lot of blowing stuff up. It'll be fun. We'll have a good time. So anyway, it starts in three weeks. You don't want to miss that, all right? I like this movie when it came down. In fact, it's probably one of our, my wife and I's top favorite movies, top five. Um, and uh, because, you know, the whole Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, the whole interchange with that, the whole premise behind the movie, if you haven't seen it, and let me ruin it for you, um, is that these two people, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, begin a relationship online, and it, it, it develops into a romantic relationship, but they don't know each other. They don't know each other's names, but they actually do know each other in real life, but they don't know it's them, all right? And they, how they meet each other in real life, they really don't like each other personally, but online, they don't know it's each other, and they have this great relationship, all right? And, uh, and then Tom Hanks dies. So, just joking. All right. <clears throat> so, anyway, uh, you know, the thing of it is, I, the, I like that movie because there's just something about meeting somebody and get past all of the physical stuff and actually be able to speak right into somebody's soul. And in so many ways, online dating is, it really does that. In fact, uh, online dating is like really huge now. You know, there's all kinds of like websites and, you know, there's, uh, there's uh, eHarmony.com, right? And there's Match.com. And then there's MeHarmony.com. That's if you want to date yourself. <clears throat> it's not very popular. Sorry. Anyway, um, but it's just really interesting. In fact, and I'm, I promise you, you know, how many of y'all, you've actually tried online dating or anything like that? Any of y'all? Some of y'all? All right, cool. I see you. All right. So, actually, quite a few of y'all. Okay. How many of y'all have, um, maybe it's not the online dating thing, but maybe it is like hooked up like uh, with a blind date. Anybody done a blind date? All right, cool. Thank you. All right. My mom and dad got hooked up in a blind date and they fell in love. All right. So a blind date is good because if it wasn't good, I wouldn't be here. So, <clears throat> but here's the thing about you know, some people like the online dating because you get past all the physical stuff and you can, like, talk about things that re- are really important inside. Um, other people, they kind of see it as maybe a little bit odd. And I want to say to you today that Christianity is kind of like online dating. Now, hang out with me just for a sec. I know that's a little strange. But think about it. The Christianity, our belief system revolves around having a relationship with somebody that you can't see. Somebody that's invisible. And I don't know if that strikes you as a little strange, but it strikes me as a little strange because I have a hard time building relationships with people I can see. All right? And so for me to be able to try to have a relationship with somebody I can't see, that's just a little weird. That's a little strange. In fact, for some of you, you may have never been to church before. Maybe you deuced out on church and God years ago because, you know, as you were just thinking about it, how can I have a relationship with somebody I can't see? And I just, I think that's just kind of odd, kind of strange. In fact, our mission, and you heard Josh say this earlier, our mission here at One Church is to lead people into a growing relationship with who? 
God, Jesus Christ. That's exactly right. But realistically, how does that work out? I mean, how does it feel to have a relationship with God? How do you know that you have a relationship with God? How do you know that you can even be close to God? I mean, it's kind of weird. It's kind of difficult. And for some, and I know we have some people who have maybe never been to church before, um, and you're just like, I don't understand how all that kind of works out. And I want to talk about that today. So I sure am glad that you're here. And let me say this. In the Old Testament, I'll give you just a quick overview of what the Bible and Christianity and all this stuff is. The Bible is one book, but it's actually 66 books, and it's divided into two sections. There's the Old Testament, the first half, and the New Testament, the second half. And the word testament means covenant. So in the Old Testament, or the Old Covenant, or that's another word for covenant and testament, is agreement. In the Old Agreement, nobody had to wonder about where you stood with God. Nobody had to ever ask the question, is God with me today? Nobody ever had to you know, think, hey, listen, uh, are we and God, are we okay? Because in the Old Agreement, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, you, there, was, it, it was, it, there was a routine about it. There was a ritual about it. There was a certain religion, and there was to-dos that you can't do this, you can't do that. Stop thinking that, stop doing that, right? And there was, you got to do this, and you got to do that, you got to think this, all right? And people in the Old Testament times, what happens was they would uh, give a sacrifice to a priest, and that priest would go in and sacrifice that goat or lamb or pigeon or whatever it is, and that, uh, that sacrifice of that animal was to was to cover up the sins for another year. In fact, once a year, a priest would go into the temple located in Jerusalem, the capital of the Jewish nation, would go into the temple into the Holy of Holies. Now, in the Holy of Holies, there was, you Raiders of the Lost Ark fans, there was what? Ark of the Covenant. That's right. right? And what happens is this priest, only once a year, would go in, and this priest had bells like tied and hemmed into his garment and so that you could kind of hear him walking, kind of jingling. And this guy would have a rope around his foot because if he came in and just kind of walked into God's presence and he wasn't right, I mean, he could die. And nobody else could go in there, so they'd have to drag his dead body out, right? Welcome to one church. Thanks for coming, right? I mean, think about that. I mean, but what happens is that priest would go in and offer a goat or a bull, or, or this sacrifice, to cover up and postpone the sins for another year, and everybody's good for the next year, and then everybody would start sinning again and kind of pile them up, right? And you never had to wonder, where does God live? Because God lived, understood, in the temple in Jerusalem, the capital of the Jewish nation. But then Jesus came and kind of messed all that up. In fact, in the Old Covenant, there wasn't, Uh, There wasn't a lot of relationship there. It wasn't complicated. It was pretty simple. But you had to duck and bow and, you know, do this so many times and stop and start and all this stuff. Doing, 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 doing. It's a ritual, a routine. It's a religion. But when Jesus showed up, he said, I, okay, God gave the law, but I am the fulfillment of the law. And then Jesus said on more than one occasion, he says, God doesn't want all the bulls and goats and all that stuff. That doesn't really fix the sin problem. He says, I came to fix the sin problem once and for all. And that's the reason why Jesus died on the cross. So that, not just to cover up the sins, but to forgive the sins. And hear me, not just to forgive the sins of the Jews, but to forgive the sins of all 
And see, that was the problem under the Old Covenant. It was ritual, routine, religion, and it was only for a select group of people. If you were Jewish and you followed all the do's and the don'ts, you're good with God. But Jesus showed up and said, "Uh uh-uh. It's not about a ritual. It is about a relationship. And it's not just a relationship for the Jews. It's a relationship for everybody. Our big idea today, it's about a relationship, not a routine, not a ritual. God wants a relationship with you, not a routine. That's our big idea. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture, and then we're going to really dig into it. But this is so illustrated in this new series we're starting today in the book of John. John chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, we give them away here for free here at One Church. Or if you have a smartphone, download version and click on the live events, and you can follow along on your phone. <clears throat> this is John chapter 4, and I'm going to start at verse 3. Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please, give me a drink. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never have to be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get the water from this well. Go and get your husband, Jesus said. But I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. The woman left her jar water jar beside the well and ran back into the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? I am a woman of no distinction, of little importance. I am a woman of no reputation save that which is bad. You whisper as I pass by and cast judgmental glances, though you don't really take the time to look at me or even get to know me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known, and otherwise what's the point in doing either one of them in the first place? I want to be known. I want someone to look at my face and not just see two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears, 
but to see all that I am and could be, all my hopes, loves, and fears. That's too much to hope for, to wish for, or pray for, so I don't, not anymore. Now I keep to myself, and by that I mean the pain that keeps me in my own private jail, the pain that's brought me here at midday to this well. To ask for a drink is no big request, but to ask it of me, a woman unclean, ashamed, used and abused, an outcast, a failure, a disappointment, a sinner. No drink passing from these hands to your lips could ever be refreshing, only condemning, as I'm sure you condemn me now, but you don't. You're a man of no distinction, though of the utmost importance, a man with little reputation, at least so far. You whisper and tell me to my face what all those glances have been about, and you take the time to really look at me. But don't need to get to know me for to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And you know me. You actually know me. All of me and everything about me. Every thought inside and hair on top of my head. Every hurt stored up. Every hope. Every dread. My past and my future. All I am and could be. You tell me everything. You tell me about me. And that which is spoken by another would bring hate and condemnation. Coming from you brings love, grace, mercy, hope, and salvation. I've heard of one to come who would save a wretch like me. And here in my presence, you say, I am he. To be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And I just met you, but I love you. I don't know you, but I want to get to. Let me run back to town. This is way too much for just me. There are others, brothers, sisters, lovers, haters, the good and the bad, sinners and saints, who should hear what you've told me, who should see what you've shown me, who should taste what you gave me, who should feel how you forgave me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And they all need this too. We all do need it for our own. Jesus came to offer a relationship with everyone. Not just a certain group, but for people who are outsiders. You know, before we dig into this, give you just a quick background about Jews and Samaritans. Because they didn't hang out with one another. They didn't go out on Friday nights. There was a lot of hatred between these two people groups. And let me tell you where it stemmed from. Back in uh, 700 B.C., 700 years before this happened, uh, God's people, the Israelites, had an enemy called the Assyrians. And the Assyrians, their idea of bringing down the northern part of the Jewish nation was to force them to intermarry non-Jewish people so that they would be able to lose their distinctiveness. And that is exactly what happened to the people who lived up in the north. They intermarried, they lost their distinctiveness. And for the Jews in the south, they looked down upon those half-breed Jewish people. In fact, they called them Samaritans based around the country, the region of Samaria. In fact, they not only called them Samaritans, but they called them Samaritan dogs. You know, something about religious people. It doesn't matter from what label or denomination. So many times when people, when they get religion, they have a tendency to look down upon other people. And that is exactly what happened here. These Jews looked down upon the Samaritans because they, were, they weren't pure. They weren't set apart. They weren't holy. And, of course, the Samaritans didn't like the Jews because they were the outsiders. So here you have these two people groups kind of warring at each other. Who Some, one were Jews, another one were kind of half Jews, half something else. In fact, this is so interesting in Jesus' day. If you wanted to go to Nazareth, which is at the very top of Israel, and in the middle was Samaria, and then Jerusalem was in the south, Jews would not go from like Nazareth through Samaria to Jerusalem. Because if they did, they didn't like these people so much. They would go down and go around. Take a 20 or 30 mile trip all the way around that region and still cutting through because they hated these people 
so much. In that context, look at John chapter 4, verse 3, and it says this. So very important. John chapter 4, verse 3. Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Now, question. Why in the world would a Jew like Jesus go through Samaria on the way? And listen, it's because Jesus came not just for the insiders. Jesus came not just for the religious. Jesus came not just for the people who had it all together. Jesus came for both insiders and outsiders. So important. He knew that he was going to meet this woman at the well. I'm going to keep on reading. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Jesus always reaches out. Jesus always reaches out to undesirables. A Samaritan woman. Now, this lady, we talked about this two or three weeks ago. In this culture, in the Middle East culture even today, women aren't valued that well. They aren't valued that much. And the same was true in this Middle East culture. But yet Jesus came and not only saw the woman, but spoke to the woman. Very, very important. And not just a woman, but a Samaritan woman. And not just a Samaritan woman. She is gathering um, uh, water at what time of the day? All right, now, how many of y'all have been to the Middle East? Let me see your hands, all right? During noontime in Iraq... Is this like a 70-degree breezy wind? <laughs> You're going, no. All right? It's 115, 120 degrees in the shade, right? And this, it's in that context that Jesus is at the well at noontime, and this lady is getting the water at noon. Now, let me tell you, all the women, they would get the water about 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning because that's when it was cool. But this lady, for some reason, and we're going to see in a little bit, chose to not come with all the other ladies, but to only show up at noontime. Very, very interesting. Jesus always reaches out to undesirables, people in the out crowd. And let me tell you, just a quick, I mean, that is Jesus' mission. In Luke 19.10, Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And i got to tell you, when we started One Church three, three and a half years ago, we just didn't start a church so that we can steal from other churches. We started a church so that we could reach people who've never been to church before or people who have maybe been to church and decided, you know what, that wasn't a good experience for me for whatever reason and decided not to come back. In fact, I know, I've met some of you guys. We have a lot of people here for the very first time today. And I want to say, I am so glad you're here. And the whole reason why we do all of this is so we don't believe that God just came for the people who are on the inside, the people who are religious the people who have it all together. Because none of us have it all together. We just are, some of us are better at covering up our mess. Y'all know what I'm saying? All right. Now, let's look at this. In John chapter 4, verse 7, it says this, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food, I assume in a Taco Bell. All right, now here's a quick question. Jesus is by a well at noontime, and the woman comes up. Who initiates the conversation? Jesus does. 
Now, the reason why that's so important, in fact, if you're taking notes, the next thing I want you to write down is that Jesus always initiates the relationship. Jesus is always the one initiating the relationship, not just with her, but with you and me. In fact, let me just throw out some verses for you. In Romans chapter 3, verse 11, it says this, We don't come looking for God, but God comes looking for us. Jesus said it himself in John chapter 6, verse 44, that no one comes to the God except through Jesus. And no one can come to Jesus unless God draws him to Jesus. I mean, the reason why some of you are here this morning is because God has been initiating a relationship with you for quite some time. Now, you may call it circumstance. You may call it, you know what, there's just chance. You know, I just happened to see this on the back of a magazine. Or I just happened to see, you know, some signs as I was driving by. Or maybe you just happened to have a neighbor or a friend or a coworker say, Hey, listen, what are you doing this Sunday? I want you to come to this church. And you kind of chalk it up as, you know, it was just kind of happenstance. Karma. Whatever. But no, God always initiates a relationship with us. I think that's so very interesting, and that's exactly what happens here. God wants a relationship with you. It says in verse 9, The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan what? Woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? I mean... What she's saying is, I am an outsider to your beliefs. I am different than you. Uh, I don't have it all together like you Jews. You think your stuff doesn't stink. My stuff stinks. I am not an insider like you. Let me tell you, we hear things like that today all the time. But it's not about Jews and Samaritans. We hear it this way. Hey, you want to come to church? Ah, I don't want to go to church. I'm I'm not into that stuff. I'm not into religion. I'm not a churched person. Now, what they're saying is this. I don't have it all together. I I didn't grow up that way. I don't have those traditions. I've not went through those rituals. They're thinking, you know what? I still have questions. And I want to say very clearly to you today that if you're here and you're thinking, you know what? I don't have it all together. And I still have some questions. That's okay. Because I don't have it all together. And I still have some questions myself. This is a safe place. We want to create an environment where we can ask questions and so that we don't have to cover up our messes. Because all of us are jacked up. Right? That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say the word jacked up. It says... All of us are sinners, Romans 3.23, all right? Now, hear me, all of us fall short. But what we have a tendency to do is we try to cover up our shortness, all right? You know, thinking munchkins right now. We try to cover up our shortness by putting ourselves on religious stilts and making ourselves look better than we really are. When really, we just aren't. We're faking it. I mean... I think so very clearly Jesus reaches out to this Samaritan woman and it was culturally unacceptable to do that. You didn't speak to women in that culture and, you know, they usually have their faces covered even then. But Jesus didn't care about rituals or culture, whether or not it was culturally acceptable. He came to break all those rituals and routines so that people can have a relationship with him. And he's always reaching out to undesirables, initiating a relationship. Look at verse 10 of chapter 4. 
Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you. I was reading my Bible this morning, and that just like kind of went blinking off. If you only knew the gift I have for you, that God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you what? Living water. Now listen, if she's going back and she's going to answer, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. <laughs> and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Right? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them what? Now, this is so cool. All right. She is thinking, give me agua, H2O, right? And Jesus is not talking about agua, all right? Jesus moves from just this stuff to something deeper, something spiritual. He moves the conversation, something spiritual. And what Jesus is saying is this. Within each and every one of us, there is a thirst. And within each and every one of us, there is a God-shaped vacuum, a God-shaped peace that's missing from our lives that can only be filled with God. Why? Because it is God who has created us. So, within each and every one of us, there's this God-shaped vacuum that, that only God can fill. But here's the thing. Just because God's the only one who can fill it, so many times we try to go to other things and other people and other stuff to fill the need in our lives that only God can fill. Why is that? Why is that? It seems like so many times we have a tendency to go and run to everything else except the one who can really, truly satisfy the thirst in our souls. I mean, so many times people go to stuff, and they collect stuff, and they buy, and they think success is going to fill this void in their life, that money will fulfill the void in their life, that, uh, that a job or career or promotion or social status, or just, if I could get more friends on Facebook, that is the fix of my problems, right? I mean... How many of y'all have ever been really thirsty? Let me see your hands. Everybody's really thirsty. We've been really... What if I said, you know what? The, uh, you know, if you're really thirsty here, drink some sand. Right? I mean, you would go, uh, that's not going to work. And you know what? You would be right. I mean, that seems kind of silly saying, if I'm really thirsty, drink sand to quench that thirst. But it's no sillier to say that, then that, you know what, crave approval and think that if I could just get more stuff, people would approve me. It's no different when somebody says, you know what, I'm longing for this thing in my life. I'm struggling through, I mean, I need more self-esteem or purpose, so I'm going to get it by throwing myself into my work. God has created a need in each and every one of us that only God can fill. And the thing that Jesus is going to discover about this woman, and actually Jesus already knew about it, but the woman didn't know about it. She, what she was trying to fulfill, the need in her life, this gotcha, Paul, she was trying to fill it by a romantic relationship. Look at this, verse 15. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, and then I'll never have to be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to this well. Then Jesus said, go and get your husband. Where in the world does that come from? Go and get your husband. 
Jesus told her. And how does she respond? I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you've been married how many times? Five. You have been searching five different times. In fact, not only that, but the person you're you're hooked up with now, he's not your husband either. I mean, Jesus reached out to this outsider. Jesus you know, initiates the conversation, and now Jesus confronts her, if you're taking notes. Jesus confronts her. Why does Jesus do that? Very simple, because so many times we have a tendency to keep on doing the same things over and over again to try to satisfy us, but they never do. I mean, how many jobs have you went and you bought something and you, you've taken your credit card and you think, if I could just get a new outfit, right? Or if you get some more shoes. Again, I'm talking more to the ladies because, guys, we're not like that. Um, if I could just get another out, I would feel better about me. But what happens? The outfit goes out of style. Or maybe you can't fit into it anymore. I don't know. All right? I'm not judging. I'm just saying. All right? Or maybe, guys, let's talk about us. If I could just get that 50-inch. Right? If I could just go, I mean, I got an LCD, but it's LED now. Right? I mean, I want 3D. All right? I got a 2D. I'm going to give you a heads up. You buy the 3D, one day it's going to have to be a 4D. And what's going to happen? Because that stuff doesn't satisfy. So Jesus confronts her because she's trying to fill this void in her life by a romantic relationship. Keep on going. Now, how does the the woman respond to this confrontation? She changes the subject. She talks about religion. Verse 19. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. (laughs) There's a good one. You must be a prophet, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship? While we Samaritans believe that we can worship here at Mount Gerizim while our ancestors worship. What is she doing? She's changing the subject. It's getting a little too personal. And she says, you know what, if I can talk about religion, we can argue about religion all day. And you know what Jesus does if you're writing down? Jesus didn't get sidetracked about religion. The whole point of that is, okay, to be a Jew and to worship the God of the Jews, you had to go to the Jewish capital in Jerusalem. And then Samaritans going, you know what, we don't want to go there, we want to go. We hear the same things today. Hey, are are you Baptist? Methodist? Presbyterian? Episcopalian? Catholic? What are you? What's your label? You know what? Jesus did not come to label us. Y'all know that? In fact, again... And and not that none of those are wrong, but those aren't the emphasis. Jesus doesn't get sidetracked about Jerusalem or Mount Gerizim. Again, he doesn't get sidetracked about religion because it's all about a relationship. It's about having a relationship with God. And you know what? Again, when we started One Church, we said, you know what? It's not about denominations. You know, yeah, we, we will give and we'll do all this stuff and we'll participate, but we're never ever going to shout to the rooftops, we're a Methodist church or we're a Baptist church or Assembly of God because it's not about that. In fact, I love one church. It's not even about one church. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus, about you beginning a relationship with him. So let's don't get sidetracked about religion because it's not about a ritual or routine, or labels, or any of that stuff. It's about a relationship. Verse 25 and 26. I love this. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, 
The one who is called Christ. By the way, the word Messiah and Christ are the exact same word, just in a different language. By the way, Jesus' last name wasn't Christ. Throw it out there. All right? The word Christ is a label. It's the Messiah. He's God. I know that the Messiah is coming, one who's called Christ. When he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. All right? He'll cut through the religion is what the lady's saying. And what has Jesus said? I am who? The Messiah. I mean, some of y'all, you're like, Jesus never claimed to be God. <laughs> Hello? All right? I mean, that, it doesn't get any clearer than that. I am the anointed one, the Messiah. And what's so cool about that, he says, I am the way. In fact, Jesus said it this way in John 14, 6. He says, how you have a relationship with invisible God, it's through Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus. That's exactly right. And Jesus reveals himself to this religious outsider who didn't have it all together because it's not about religion. It's not about routine. It's not about going to a certain place, bowing, ducking, saying these many prayers, rubbing this many stuff. It's not about getting in with a certain group. It's about a relationship with everyone. Our big idea is simply this. God wants a relationship. It is about a relationship, not routine. It is about a relationship, not a routine. Let's say that. It is about a relationship, not a routine. Now, let me tell you, the reason why that should surprise some of you is because some of you, when you think of Christianity in church, it's a routine. It's a ritual. It's a religion. You think of Christianity as, hey, you better stop doing that. And you better stop thinking that. And you better start doing this. And you better give this much. And you better show up at this time. Right? Right? I mean, it is about a ritual, a routine. But let me tell you, that's not how Christianity or Jesus is. It is about a relationship. And relationships are messy. Relationships take time. Relationships, how you have a relationship is by communicating. And let me tell you, some of you are here today... And you think it's just bowing and ducking and don't and you can't smoke, you can't chew, you can't go with girls who do, right? But some of it's not about any of that. It's about having a relationship with your heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. Now, how do you have a relationship? It's about communication. It's about communication. I mean, God gave us the Bible so that we could read it, so that we could hear God's voice through it. Very clearly. And then God say, I, God says, I want you to talk to me. What is that called? Prayer. All right? In fact, let's, let's talk about praying just for a sec. How many of y'all, y'all know what this is? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy, what is that called? All right, the Lord's Prayer. Exactly right. Now, let me tell you, there are churches all over the world just kind of saying that. Saying that. In fact, let me tell you where that's found. Some of you are not going to believe me. I want you to look this up later. That's found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. But in Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, two verses before, this is what Jesus says. He says, I want you to pray a prayer like this. But two verses before, he says, I don't want you to pray like the Gentiles do who just keep on babbling and repeating the same prayers over and over again. Our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be that. Are you thinking we're maybe missing it? 
I mean, seriously, if, you're, if, if that's your idea of church, you're missing it. Because it's not a routine. That's a routine. God wants a relationship. When you talk to God, He doesn't just want you to repeat the same things over and over again. That's what it says. Read the Bible. He wants you to talk to Him like you talk to your wife or, or, or husband. Quick question for those who are married. What if you woke up every morning and you said the same thing over and over and over again to your wife? And then when you ate with her, you said the same things over and over again. And then before you went to bed, you said the same things over and over again. What would your husband or wife do to you? I know what they would do to you. It's called Lorena Bobbitt. I'm telling you. I mean, but because why? Because that's not a relationship. I know some of y'all going, he done said Lorena Bobbitt in church. Oh my gosh. Some of y'all are Twittering that right now. All right. <clears throat> Put your Twitter away. Listen to me. All right, here we go. All right, I know. I'm sorry. All right, here's the thing about this, guys. That's not a relationship with a spouse when you say the same things over and over again. But what do you do when you go to bed? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul. By the way, that is the most jacked up, scariest prayer I've ever heard in my life. Seriously. Pray that with your kids. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep if I shall die before I wake. <laughs> Good night, honey. <laughs> Flicking on the lights, you know. I'll see you maybe tomorrow. <laughs> That's some jacked up stuff, right? Or for some of you, right before you eat, good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. We're good. You and I are good. We're talking. No, that's not a relationship. That's a ritual. That's a routine. That's predictable. And relationships aren't predictable. Relationships don't, just don't say the same things over and over again. Because here's the thing. If you did that with your spouse, you would get bored with them. And some of you, you're bored with church. And you're bored with God. And you're bored with Christianity. And here's the reason why you're bored. is because you're approaching it as a routine or a ritual. And the reason why you're bored is because God is bored with you. God is, I mean, God's up in heaven going, just talk to me. I, I, I know everything. I know what you're thinking. Just stop saying the these and the thous and the hallowed be thy name and just talk to me. Right? But we're going, if I said that out loud, he would know that I messed up. He already knows you're messed up. Right? He already knows it. So just go ahead and just tell him. That's what prayer is. Reading, reading the Bible, it's, just getting, it's, it's about a relationship. Now, let's, let's move on and let's look at this. I love this, how this ends. In verse 28 and 30, it says this. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? What happened? So the people came streaming from the villages to see him. I mean, now think about this. This woman left her water jar. Why did she come to the well in the first place? She was thirsty. She wanted some water. Guess what she got? Living water. She got something that just Gatorade couldn't satisfy. She got a relationship with God. Not a routine, but a relationship with God, not just for the Jews, but a relationship and forgiveness for everyone. 
I love that. And all of these people come streaming out of the village. And what's so cool about this? Why this this is so important is because found people find people. See, some of you, if you have a relationship with God, if you really have a relationship with God, let me tell you how that manifests itself, how it shows up. You just talk about God. You just, yeah, that Gatorade is good. That's good. Let me tell you about Jesus. Some of y'all are like, ah, you know, whatever. But I'm telling you. And it's not about pushing religion. It's about showing somebody else, hey, this is what God's done in my life. And that's what it's all about. Now, hear me on this one. This woman didn't have it all together. She still has questions. She's asking, is, is, could he be the Messiah? And let me tell you, again, for some of you, we want to create a conversation. We just don't want to talk to you. This is a conversation we want to have with you. And if you still have questions, this is an okay place for you to come. I want to close just by saying this. God doesn't want routine. He doesn't want a ritual. He doesn't want you saying the same things over and over and over and over and over and over again. He wants a relationship. Now, for some of you, I would love no better than to introduce you to him today. You see, just as in online dating, there has to be a connection. You have to kind of get to know the person, whether it's in a chat room. Consider this a big chat room. And here in a minute, I'm going to ask everybody to just close their eyes and we're going to pray. That's just talking to God. And if you want to begin a relationship with him, if you want me to introduce you to him, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer. Not out loud, and I'm not going to ask you to come down front and raise your hand or anything like that. I'm just going to say, you just stay there. But I would love for you to be able to introduce you, not into a religion or a routine or a ritual or to-dos and to-don't-dos and blah, 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 blah. I want to introduce you to a Heavenly Father who's absolutely nuts over you because He created you. And He wants to satisfy something in your heart that you've been trying for years to get satisfied. And it's not working. Let's pray.